Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I am here with my two lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Coraline of Corey's Digs. How are you guys going? Going good. Beautiful. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm ready to go away. I'm excited. I've got a week mm. off. Yes, 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 yes. It's awesome. So I'm relieved. It's been legitimately years since yeah. I've had a break. So nice. Yeah, yeah. well deserved. God, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> but it's pretty good. Uh, we've got a lot to go through today. Uh, we've got Corey's report on homesteading, Pfizer intervening in FDA doc releases, new product Veritas video, which I haven't seen. It's be interesting. Senator Ron Johnson's hearing with COVID experts, Denmark and Ireland lifting COVID restrictions. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit, bit about what Arvi's facing. He's an Australian reporter. It's pretty big. Um, and just his run-ins with police and the letters that he's sending him now, which kind of shows you the authoritarian push of, of the, the police in Australia at the moment. Uh, Freedom Truckers, uh, the Supreme Court retirement, maybe, maybe not, we don't know. There's a lot of different information, right? <laughs> and we're going to finish off on uh, the Joe Rogan and Neil Young standoff for Spotify, which is interesting. Uh, there's a lot of aspects of that going on, but uh, with that would be a good one to finish it off with. So what are we starting with, ladies? Let's roll. I guess we're going to roll out the homesteading piece first. That's great. So, um, yeah, I was really excited to write this one up because, you know, I'd much, much prefer to work on solution pieces. <laughs> uh, it's much more entertaining for me. So I wanted to uh, speak with John Moody because he's, he's brilliant. He, uh, he's been homesteading for 12 years. He started like the first um, Louisville whole, whole life buying club 17 years ago. And they're up to like a million products now. It's super cool. He's, he's, you know, written five books. He's working on a couple more. And uh, so I wanted to pick his brain because uh, he thinks outside the box and he knows how to beat you know, uh, the government and the authorities, they had the health authorities actually uh, busted in on him on the whole life buying club and he was able to uh, beat that. So lots of good uh, tips and tricks in here on homesteading, but also at the end of the article, I cover the um, upcoming rogue food conference that they do. Uh, I think they do it like spring and fall twice a year, I believe. And so last year it was in Tennessee and I can't remember the other place. And so this year they're doing one uh, in March in Florida. So everyone can check that out. A lot of different speakers go. It's like a two day uh, event. You can choose to go to just one day or both. And uh, yeah, so basically we've got, uh, I kind of categorized it um, because we talked about a lot of of different things. <laughs> so I have some really good kind of getting started tips, you know, and then get into the planning and design and uh, healthy soil, weeds and obstacles. He actually wrote a whole book on winning the war on weeds, uh, seed saving, and um, oh, a great place, Seeds for Generations. It's a family out of Virginia. Uh, they do 100% heirloom seeds that they sell. And what's cool is they have free webinars. So they've got 
one recorded, you just enter your email and you can watch the free seed starting training. And then they have one coming up. Oh, let's see what's today. Actually, they just had it. So that's probably going to be archived as well on um, free garden planning training. It's a really neat site and they have, you know, a lot of, a lot of great seeds there. And then I kind of cover the whole rainwater harvesting with the wonderful, ridiculous, illegal regulations they put on that in some states. And uh, a few quick tips on chickens. And then I get into the uh, Rogue Food Conference uh, event and the details of that. So I'm just looking back through here to see, like on the getting started, I'll just mention a few of the tips before we move on, but we'll, we'll link this so you guys can check it out. There's some really good info and links to the websites and whatnot. So he says, wherever you are, you know, start now, wherever you are, don't wait to purchase land, begin cultivating your mindset and skills, no matter how small space you have to work with, get more out of your garden, using trellising, use containers on porches or balconies. One of the most productive homesteads I know is in a super urban area of Louisville on a tiny lot and he produces more food than many folks I know with 10 to 20 acres. What matters far more than how much space you have is how you use it. So <clears throat> that's a good one because I know there's a lot of us, you know, I like I'm a little, yeah, I'm like in a little townhome, you know, it's just, you got to learn how to work with the space you have. But I love that, you know, he says it's really important. Like each year you try different things and you, and you start learning, you know, how to, how to grow different things. And exactly. So, yeah. And so he says, you know, you need good hand tools, but, uh, can save on money storage and upkeep. If you borrow barter or rent larger equipment, such as tractors and livestock trailers, he's, he's got a book called the frugal homesteader. So he's, he's really innovative and creative at, at getting things done efficiently and affordably. And then uh, we have homesteading is a skill set and vocation. So a mentor is very helpful. He says to volunteer at a local farm to learn hands-on, you will get much more out of it than, you know, reading from a book or watching a video, which is a great idea. And then, you know, you can build some great relationships that way as well. And then uh, the last two points I'll, I'll cover is he said, if you do purchase a property with land, don't build anything permanent for at least two to three years and don't remove anything that was there. It's important to get to know your land and see how you're going to gradually expand before we're putting in permanent structures. So you might consider bringing on uh, a consultant out to you know, assess best design options for the land. And he, and he was talking about like some examples um, where someone buys land and they've got this concrete structure and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want that there. And he's like, you don't tear down concrete. I mean, that's like a solid <laughs> foundation you've got going. You could use that for a myriad of things. So, you know, and, and once you're on the land and you see from rainflow and soil and wind and just like all the different aspects that go into it and what you decide, maybe you decide you're going to add chickens or you're going to add pigs or whatever. And now you got to kind of relay out and redesign everything. And, and that can be really time consuming and costly. So I thought that was a good tip. Uh, and then of course, you know, deep in your pantry, he says, most cities only have two to three days of food. Most homes generally don't have much more. Historically, people often had three to six months of stored food. So 
all smart tips. I yeah, and those. and really in all of these categories, he has some really really smart tips. You know, um, like weeds. He's like tilling just makes it worse. It'll make them grow more. And there's actually some really good nutritious weeds. And he talks about the whole ecosystem of the land working um, for you instead of against you and the different things you can do. So yeah, I was reading cool. it. I was reading it before recording and I was, I didn't get to finish the whole thing. So I'm going to have to go back because like this thing is jam packed full of great tips and I'm still new at this on. And like you had mentioned, Corey, you know, I don't have a huge plot of land to work on, but I'm just trying to, I'm at that beginner stage right. where I am trying to learn new skill sets and learn about the new area in which I live as to what grows here, you know, when to plant and all of that. And that takes time. So, um, right. yeah, these are all excellent tips. I'm going to have to go back and, and revisit this article, um, you know, and get more information from it as I kind of build these skills on my own too. So I think people, you know, could definitely benefit from reading this. Uh, yeah, these, are, then, these are things that like, we all have to go back and learn into some degree. Right. Some, for, some form of self-reliance, self-sufficiency is just something we all need, especially with the way this world is going. And there's um, nothing or, like, almost like we've gone backwards. <laughs> right, right. Mm. And there's nothing like eating the food you grow. It's it's just so yeah. satisfying. It is so satisfying. <laughs> I like took pictures. <laughs> Like they're my children, like of all the vegetables I grew. I'm like, oh, right. they're my babies. You know, and then when you eat it, you're like, wow, oh, I know. Great. I've, I've sent you guys pictures when I was, when I tried growing um, acorn squash for the first time, I had no idea <laughs> the vines were going to end up being like 15 feet long. It totally took over my garden, but it was the most delicious acorn squash I've ever tasted in my life. And I'd send you guys pictures like, oh my God, look at this. It's like one little seed grows a half a dozen. It just blows me away. And it's of course a great, then, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, of course, then, you know, bugs ended up getting to it and the leaves all started turning powdery white. And so, so I learned something there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a learning process because every location's different as far as what grows well and, you know, seasons mm -hmm. and all that. Um, but I was going to say before I, sorry, I cut you, cut you off was um, it's a great um, teaching experience for kids oh, yeah. too. I mean, my kids really got into growing stuff, watching it grow, learning the different, you know, processes from seedling all the way until it, you know, grows um, actual fruit or vegetable. And um, they just really loved that whole process. So oh, yeah, I would like, think it would be really exciting for kids. In fact, um, like John, I don't even know how many kids he, he has a lot kids and they they all work on the farm they love it and his daughter abby had started because they grow elderberries there and in fact he has a whole book on elderberries i just ordered it and um, i have links to that in here as well and so she started doing they were doing the elderberry syrup and the tea and the um just the organic dried elderberries and so they started a little elderberry business and you can now you know buy those products from them so it's it's really neat yeah, definitely a win-win. I mean, learning some new skills um, that could definitely pay off in the future, depend, no matter how things go. It's just always good to learn these, these skills and be more self-reliant. But also there's so many other pluses to it, healthier eating, um, right. opportunities to teach and, and share with your kids. I mean, it's just endless. So yeah, love right. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, All right. So check the stuff. link in the description for Corey's report. And uh, what, what do we got next? Let's see. Yeah. So I just, uh, okay. So the Pfizer one. Um, so this, let me go to it on my page here. So I'm on the same page. I actually pulled up a different link than you. I'm on, I think I'm on routers, but at any rate, Pfizer has decided to intervene in the uh, case with the FDA that was just instructed they have to release 55,000 pages on the um, Pfizer jab per month. And remember everyone, they were trying to postpone this for like drag it out across like 75 years. Right. And so now Pfizer, Pfizer lawyers, um, just told a U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman on January 21st it wanted a role in the proceedings to help the FDA avoid inappropriately disclosing trade secret and confidential commercial information. So on Tuesday night, the group of doctors and scientists who sued last year over public access to the FDA's Pfizer licensing records said in a court filing that the company's bid to jump into the lawsuit was untimely because the plaintiffs have not challenged any redactions to requested records. And so there's this little like spit and spat on why is it you need to be involved? They're making it sound like they're going to help this move along faster and make, you know, it's all about the redactions and the cover up. And so um, they're, they're having, I'm looking for the date here. I'm scrolling through. They, I lost it. They're going to, the judge is going to be hearing this. Um, of course, the FDA welcomed this. They're all about coordinating with Pfizer on this to, to help get these documents out. Ah, here we go. So the judge, uh, so Pittman scheduled a hearing for Friday to consider Pfizer's bid to intervene. The judge is also expected to take up the FDA's logistical concerns about his January 6th order that directed the agency to release 55,000 pages a month starting on March 1st. Uh, so, so we're going to have to wait and see where that still didn't give me the date, did it? Hang on, let me look. Do you see it on, on the article you have pulled up, Edge? Nah, it's behind a paywall. Uh, that's why I pulled <laughs> it up over here. Dang it. Um, I want to say it's uh, scheduled a hearing. Oh, it's scheduled a hearing for Friday to consider Pfizer's bid to intervene. Okay, well then if that's this Friday, so we should know by the time this gets out, we should know soon uh, as to whether they're gonna allow this involvement and what all that's gonna mean as far as redactions go. I mean, they're doing everything right. they can to try and cover this up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So definitely gonna have to keep an eye on that because they definitely don't want uh, a lot of information disclosed in these documents. So mm -hmm. hopefully they won't be full of black boxes <laughs> right. on these documents. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're still going to find plenty of nuggets, even if they do, but still. All right. Yeah. So we got some new information out from Project Veritas this week. This was pretty bombshell. Yeah. Uh, so I watched this like in the middle of the night. <laughs> And um, I'm basically, I'm going to read off some bullet points here because it'll just help summarize this a little better. So they were obtained by Project Veritas as a result of a 
pediatric nurse stemming forward to blow the whistle on New York contracted healthcare provider DocGo and its subsidiary Ambul Ambulins, not spelled like ambulance, which may have jeopardized the safety of thousands of people, including young children, through potentially negligent administration of the COVID vaccine. And so the videos show kind of behind the scenes, the nurse and the other people um, where they're looking at the batches, they're looking at the label, they're like, wait, where's the solution? So there's, you know, saline that gets like a dilution basically. And they weren't given any instruction on this, which is technically what they're supposed to do as far as diluting it down. And when the medical, the medical supervisor, you know, tried contacting them to say, Hey, how are we supposed to dilute this? And, and they're telling them to YouTube it, to YouTube it. Right. Right. <laughs> what you the hell? So when, when they were asking, you That's know, how to come now. <laughs> right, right. So then the other thing is, um, so totally lost my train of thought there. I'll just go back to reading the bullet points here and it'll come to me. So on the, the nursing staff on the video, she said the wrong mixture could cancel out the protection of the vaccine or have adverse effects. So these were already being administered. I mean, it's, it's a cluster. You got, you got to watch the video. I think it's about 15 minutes long to see what was going on here. And then it, it's not being reported. It's not even being documented. Right. So right. it's, it's a huge mass at one point. They're in such a rush like, to, yeah. to get these out. People that are administering it have all these questions and there's no real uh, organization to um, disseminating information to the people who are giving these injections when they have these questions, it seems. And right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going to say. So she was saying, Victoria here was saying that when like the boxes that it all comes in, she's like, there's, there's no insert. There's no information for me to pass on to those that I'm administering the jab to. And that's totally unethical. So she, you know, eventually left and uh, went to Project Veritas to expose all of this because it's dangerous. All of this is dangerous as hell. They don't know what adverse effects could be caused by this mishandling. If they're um, mixing it incorrectly, if they're giving children too high of a dose. I mean, it's, it's insane. And I'm sure this is going on in a lot of places, not, not just there in New York through, you know, through these companies, but wow. And the not reporting. And so then right. you wonder, why don't we, why aren't we able to know about, you know, this sort of thing happening? And, and right here is, you know, real solid evidence of the, the lack of the reporting of these types of events. So, right. Right. And then like mistakes, uh, they talked about the, and I'm probably not going to pronounce this right. Mistakes of improperly mixing and administering the Pfizer children's jab with the wrong dilutant bac bacteriostatic water, which is not good. It says that, you know, on the CDC and FDA sites that it, it cannot be used. So this is just parents really need to be. Oh, I know. I mean, oh, I'm my surprised God. parents aren't with pitchforks in the streets at this point. Right. And in fact, we have Fauci talking about, you know, 
infants and you know young children already so it's yeah. just uh disgusting yeah but yeah definitely watch that whole thing if you get a chance because it's pretty mind-blowing and parents everywhere need to see this before they yeah. make any kind of decision so all right absolutely so I was going to give you guys an update on the um, Ron Johnson hearing um, that happened this week. So I didn't get to see it. So I'm really interested to, to see what you learned. Yeah. So this um, this hearing, Senator, Senator Ron Johnson had a hearing with COVID experts, doctors, scientists, lawyers. This was a five hour long hearing. OK, and it was full of bombshells. So I recommend just watching the entire discussion if you have the time and we can link link it in the description. But it was incredibly refreshing to just hear people with a wealth of expertise, knowledge, experience. They were speaking frankly without censorship. It was amazing to see and hear. And so this needs to be spread far and wide, the full five-hour hearing. But some key highlights of it is this discussion here among Dr. McCullough, Dr. Cariardi, and some others. And they were having this great discussion about how the FDA and the CDC are the actual named sponsors of the vaccine and how, uh, and McCullough was talking about how that's such a conflict of interest um, that there really should be a separate um, entity sponsoring the vaccine with oversight boards of, you know, monitoring health and human ethics and and that sort of thing to provide the oversight. Um, And he said if he argued that if they did that by February of 2021, the whole thing would have been shut down. But that's certainly Mm -hmm. not the case. And then Dr. Cariardi went on in great depth about how, you know, there's this revolving door with Big Pharma and these three letter agencies just describing how Big Pharma has captured the agencies which are just basically doing the bidding of Big Pharma instead of putting the public health at first, you know, first and then he went on to explain and Dr. Uh, Ryan Cole went on to add to it about how um, these doctors who don't comply, how they're targeted, they're threatened with loss of license and so forth. And so that's why you have a lot of doctors who will, who are complying because they are just living in fear that their license will be revoked if they don't uh, comply, you know, getting right. letters from the board and things like that, which has never happened to them in many, many cases. So, right. Um, Another key uh, point was uh, when um, attorney Thomas Renz spoke, and um, Thomas Renz is the attorney for America's Frontline Doctors. He put three high-ranking military personnel's names on record in this hearing as whistleblowers, and they had provided evidence to him that the DOD, from the DOD's actual own sites, Uh, database, um, that the DOD was not only aware of massive increases in adverse events and illnesses following the rollout of the COVID jab to the military, but that they were, they had evidence that the DOD was actually covering up and removing some of that evidence from the database, particularly with myocarditis. And Um, so this is, uh, this data includes huge spikes in myocarditis, plus 300% increase in miscarriages, 300% increase in cancer, and a thousand plus percent increase in neurological disorders as compared to a five-year average from the previous five years. Wow. That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. In fact, I just shared, uh, I should have sent you the link. 
LifeSite News covered it at the end of December. They had covered the data, some data on miscarriages and stillborns, and it, it's horrific that have happened since getting the jab. Yes. Yep. It's horrific. And so um, Thomas Renz claims to have um, solid evidence from the DOD's own databases of these adverse events and illnesses that have occurred since the rollout of the jab. And Senator Ron Johnson has said that the DOD and Biden administration have been put on notice um, by his office that they must preserve the records and that he's he's going to follow through with an investigation of this. So let's hope so. Let's yeah, but actually goes somewhere. I hope so. Uh, there was also a testimony from a nurse who worked on the front line in New York during the early parts of the outbreak, and her testimony just echoed the testimony of so many other whistleblower nurse, nurses who stated the same thing um, that early that early preventative care was never used or not rarely used, and these people were just put on ventilators and were dying needlessly. And she just talked in depth about the medical malfeasance. Um, so a uh, lot of lot of bombshells in this um, hearing that really just needs to be spread far and wide as many eyes can get on to it, especially people who um, who just are less well less informed um, because this is just chock full of facts, experts, and bombshells. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put this up on my site so that way I have it archived there and make sure that people have seen it, you know. Yeah, definitely. All right, so on to some um, other good news. Um, so Denmark is joining uh, some of the other European countries um, as the latest country to lift COVID restrictions and the COVID pass requirement. And so this follows the UK who um, they had, we talked about this last week, they lifted uh, restrictions including face mask rules and the COVID passes. Um, Ireland, um, I'm sorry, the Czech Republic, they um, have a new administration, and so they have scrapped the previous administration's rollout of um, COVID jab requirements, and then Ireland also, uh, which we did not um, talk about last week because it hadn't happened yet when we were recording their lifting requirements as well they've removed almost all covid restrictions including the covid passport so it's, that's really interesting coming from ireland which is so ultra liberal right mm. yeah so right. denmark's well um, because because i just i don't want people to be fooled to think that they've halted building a digital identity on us because that's still full speed ahead Right. Um, I mean, these are all, this is all excellent. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> this is excellent. This We need to stop all of this. But, but keep your eye on the ball with the digital identities and biometrics in your bank accounts. Absolutely. And there are definitely other countries who are claiming that they are going to be lifting uh, COVID restrictions, say, for example, France and the Netherlands, but not all lifting of restrictions are equal because, for example, in France or the Netherlands, you will, you will see the COVID passports continue. So um, you can de definitely see kind of a line being drawn there. It looks like some countries are, you know, walking the COVID passports back while others are still full steam ahead, obviously. So, but I would say freedom is spreading in um, some of these European countries. The resistance is working. Keep up the fight. Keep up the faith. Keep up the hope. 
Um, Keep doing what you're doing because it seems to have had some effects in some of these countries. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, moving on to Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I I just wanted to talk about this one thing that uh, you brought up today, Edge, because if you guys have been following us for a while, some might some of you might be following Avi as well. He's a really, really good reporter. And he reported a lot of what we saw in Melbourne during uh, this COVID tyranny, you could say. Uh, he got a lot of good footage uh, on a lot of situations. In some cases, he was like the only one there. The mainstream media wasn't there. Um, and he was getting some footage. Now, the other day, he received a letter. Uh, This is from the Victorian police. And the letter says it has been brought to our attention that the Protection Information uh, Act under Section 30D, um, it is an offence under the Surveillance uh, Act of 1999 to knowingly publish any information obtained from the use of Victorian police body-worn cameras. Uh, So they're threatening him with two years jail from this. Now, the thing's interesting about this is I don't know where he got the body camera footage from. Uh, mm-hmm. which I saw back. Um, and if you watch a little bit of the view, uh, you'll see it is from a Victorian police officer. So he didn't, doesn't mention that or go into that. Um, it's interesting how he could got his hands on it, either as, if it's from directly some sort of inside informant from the Victorian police, not sure. Um, but in this video, it just shows you the brutality of the Victorian police. So, of course, they were going to try to shut this down. Um, it shows you how they were arresting people, how they were threatening and abusing people with their power straight from their own footage. Uh, so he's fighting this legally. And if you go to his page, which is really good to see, uh, you said that, that was some of the footage there, especially this guy. Um, so he is fighting this legally, which he has done on uh, a couple of other occasions now as well, uh, which is good. So if you go over to the Rebel News website, can help him with that but it, it is great to see people like this one fighting back but two just how tyrannical these police have gotten how they've just become a hand of the government which which is what they are which is so many people have lost respect for them in every way in australia it's, it's not even funny uh yeah, because it just seems like no so keep the, going. they're threatening him with having to take the video down because right he, mm-hmm shared it and that's a no no so so basically what happened is these people were protesting the police told the the protesters to leave they left and they're claiming that which the the camera footage confirms that the police again then confronted the group as they were leaving and did that attack that you just saw right Mm. and then arrested that gentleman that you saw on the microphone and he went to jail for some time. And so the police are now saying, they well, basically, they don't want that footage <laughs> because it shows that the, these people were not provoked, right? right. Uh, like, mm-hmm. or these people were not provoking anyone. Uh, the right. police provoked them. And so um, basically, it, it, it's they want to cover up what they've done. And right. uh, this footage ex- just completely exposes them. So that now they're threatening Avi to take it down, which he says his attorneys will not have already said we're not taking this down, um, and he's going to fight it. But they're threatening him with, to put him in jail for two years just for keeping a video footage up. Unbelievable! Mm-hmm. Yet believable. Wow. 
Crazy. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. But it shows you the lengths that they'll go to to try to protect themselves. Yeah, Victoria Police were brutal in every aspect of this. It was, um, yeah, it was a horrible thing to say, but once again, not surprising. Yep. Good thing Avi's fighting it, and yeah, he, you can help him with his fight, I, like you had just mentioned, Speaker. So um, he does have so, like a legal fund to contribute to. So did you want to mention this, the this report here? Uh, yeah, this is a report that Corey dropped. Um, I haven't read too much into it, so I can't speak uh, intelligently on it. But um, this is just... Um, um, uh, statistics that came out the other day about, can you go up a bit, Edge? Oh, sorry, I didn't say that. Uh, yeah, the Australian has recorded 12 times more deaths in 10 months due to the COVID-19 vaccines than deaths due to any other vaccines combined in 51 years. Uh, so this is really interesting. Of course, I haven't had time to get rid of it, uh, get, get into it, but it is definitely something that we wanted to mention because it is very interesting statistics. Yeah, and it's similar to, you know, what's going on over here in our VAERS reporting system, where it's it's so long ago, it far uh, superseded the, the culmination of all prior jabs for all years, as far as uh, deaths were rep- reported in the VAERS system. It had already done that probably six or seven months into the jab it was it had already escalated and it should have been shut down immediately but they just keep let it rolling saying it's safe yeah so this is consistent with the VAERS reporting it definitely shows and confirms you know it's just another you know data point to show look this is happening across the board um, with reporting of adverse events. Um, you know, it's it just a massive spike as compared to previous years from other injections. So, right. Yeah. Important news. So, hey, I'd like to talk about something, some good news, <laughs> some yeah. really good news. Okay. So um, the Freedom Truckers in Canada. So the Freedom Truckers convoy, um, it is going to can't Ottawa, Canada. It's just massive and it's growing by the day. I mean, this is a the result of the COVID jab mandates that Trudeau has imposed on truckers who are crossing the US Canada border border. And the latest estimate of the size of this convoy is about 50,000 trucks. And for every truck, there are 10 cars joining the convoy and about 20 people. So they're estimating about 50,000 trucks, 500,000 cars, and a million people so far potentially joining this or being a part of this. And it's potentially breaking a Guinness Book World Record for the largest convoy. Okay. So this thing's massive and it's just amazing to watch. I don't know if you guys have caught much of the footage, but it's just really, really cool to see all these truckers and um, the support that they get on the highways by all the people uh, standing by. And Trudeau said this week that the convoy was small and just a group of fringe people, but it's far from that. I mean, the whole world is really watching this standoff happening between this massive trucker convoy and uh, Trudeau's um, COVID mandates for these truckers. So this 
grassroots movement, it has raised a lot of money. Okay, I've been watching this uh, for the past several days, and it's going up by about a million a day. I checked it earlier this morning, it went up 100,000 just, you know, and since the last time I checked. So wow. it's growing massively. So this this GoFundMe account was set up to basically help the truckers in route to give them money for food and housing and whatnot, whatever their needs are. And they say whatever's left over will be donated to a veterans organization. So there was a little bit of um uh, I don't know, a, a little problem that came up. I shouldn't say little. GoFundMe has said that they uh, that some 4.7 million of that fund was frozen until it could be proven with documentation as to when it wh- where it's going. But the organizer, uh, Tamara Leach, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, has given an update and said that the funds are getting out to the trackers, and you know they just have to provide the receipts of their expenses. So. There's that, but I mean, just just look at this footage, though. I mean, it just brings you a, brings a smile to your face, and it just completely <laughs> yep. it completely disintegrates uh, Trudeau's statement about how this is small and fringe. I mean, pretty much at every single uh, overpass since they left Vancouver uh, and wherever, whatever parts they're coming from, because they're actually coming from all over and from the U.S. as well, thousands and thousands of them, but just at all of the overpasses, people standing by in support of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool to see. And I I hear that it's actually sparking uh, some other uh, possible um, trucker uh, convoys in other countries. I've heard even Australia speaker. I know that you guys had uh, uh, trucker convoys in the past, but I think that actually might be on the horizon again in Australia from what I hear. Mm, Yeah, no, we had a few in New South Wales. Uh, That was good. I had a a few friends that were actually in that. But um, I haven't heard of a new one, though. That's interesting. Yeah, people are watching how this goes. And um, and we'll definitely have to see. But these truckers are saying that they are going to stay there um, in Ottawa until the the COVID jab mandates are uh, lifted. And so they could be there for a, a while. I mean, who knows? Look how big this is here. Um, it's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But they could be there for a while, weeks, uh, months. I don't I don't really know. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on this and see how it goes. But massive, massive support. So awesome. Good job, That's Freedom cool. Truckers. Excellent. Yep. All right. So I know we wanted to uh, to bring this up. <laughs> so uh, Supreme Court Justice Breyer is retiring. Just announced this week. He'll be retiring before the midterms in late June or early July. And the planning of this uh, announcement uh, really kind of was surprising to many, including Breyer, apparently himself. So uh, the planning of this announcement (laughs) was described by Shannon Bream to come as a surprise to Justice Breyer himself, who was described as upset by the way they they announced it and the way it played out. Shannon Bream then later kind of corrected her statement 
saying Briar had firmly decided on his own to retire. Mm -hmm. And the announcement was due very soon. And while it appears someone jumped the gun on that, better to characterize him as surprised by the events rather than upset. So, of course, people are definitely wondering if Breyer, uh, if the decision to retire before the midterms was, in fact, totally his decision. I think not. Uh, timing is obvious, looks to be a ploy by the right. Biden regime to give them a win and fire up their base before midterms, especially with the nomination of a Black female. So. Mm-hmm. But there Which he are- announced before any candidates or anything, just the, I don't know if you got the little clip that I, that I had sent you on that, but yep. yeah. Yep. And so there are a number of people um, kind of on the short list. There are several uh, top contender contenders for the seat. Um, some are saying that Ketanji Brown Jackson is the front runner uh, Biden had previously met with her. Uh, she's interviewed with Obama for the Justice Scalia seat. So, and the whole thing with Justice Scalia's uh, departure—that's an entirely different rabbit hole, and the, how it relates to uh, nominating Loretta Lynch uh, under o- the Obama administration. So, but um, yeah, so she had interviewed for that seat um, under the Obama administration. And she's actually um, clerked for Justice Breyer. So it's possible that she's the the front contender for this seat. Um, Obviously, I mean, Breyer was super liberal, so it doesn't seem to change the uh, makeup of the court. Um, It just seems to be a win for, you know, they're trying to do this as for a win for the Biden regime to give them some kind of um, approval uh, from their base because they're just tanking and and approval ratings. Right. Uh, And so here here are some of the the possible contenders for the seat. You only make it on the list if you are a Black woman. Right. You got to love that. I mean, how discriminatory, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Hmm. From the people who preach racism. (laughs) Right shaking my head all right so speaker i thought we should close out with something funny this week and (laughs) this is pretty funny (laughs) i mean it's funny it does have other implications um especially on i guess the uh the dynamic change of some of these people especially neil young thinking he's got this sort of power now uh, it's it's it is sad to see these old rockers. I mean, Rage Against the Machines has done it as well. Uh, these people that were previously so anti-authoritarianism, so anti-government, so rock and roll, right? All of a sudden are now just patsies of government. It, it is and sad. Big to pharma. See. I mean, just like and big pharma. 
Yeah, I mean, just shilling for big government and big pharma. It's really, really. So tell people what this is about, because that hasn't been mentioned yet. <laughs> yeah, I was going just into it. Um, yeah, so Neil Young uh, threw a bit of a tantrum over the Joe uh, Rogan podcast and demanded Spotify to remove his songs. Uh, he pretty much, um, if you go down, I'm just going to find my link here. Um, <laughs> he pretty much wrote a letter to Spotify. Uh, claiming that, um, let me see if I can find the exact uh, letter. Uh, exactly, sorry, bear with me. Uh, saying that uh, he's asking them to remove his music from the service, saying it is spreading fake information about the COVID-19 vaccines through Mr. Rogan's show. They can have Rogan or Young, he wrote, not both. So <laughs> Spotify pretty much said, okay, bye. They removed all these songs. Um <laughs> I I will give ups to Spotify on this, which I don't really on big corporations like that. But uh, this is one company that you can see that is not really making the the work decisions. They know where their bread is buttered and they know Rogan is much more profitable than the rest of this shit. Right. Um, I mean, they didn't fork out $100 million for him. Mm-hmm. To um, choose Neil Young over Joe Rogan, right. I mean, the number one, the number one podcaster in the world. So of course, you know the Twitter shields have um, have got Neil Young's back. And but the interesting thing about this is uh, a couple of years ago, Neil Young sold fifty percent of his music to a third party company from the UK. Hmm. Uh, so it might not even be legal what he's done here. <laughs> It, yeah, he sure. doesn't even own his own own music, wow. right? So, it, so that's an interesting point of it too. They kind of lash out at these things, and they don't even realize that you know, doesn't even own the rights to his own music at this point in time. So, of course, the company that owns this music is going to kick up a hissy fit, <laughs> especially from the paybacks that they were getting from Spotify. So, it's, it's, sorry, uh, I'm just laughing at a comment. Leonard Skinner was right about Neil Young. Young <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. I just love these people who think that these, you know, people who are just complete narcissists who think that they are bigger than they are. They have more pull than they have. I'm this elite, right? So I can, you know, push these, these corporations around or push whoever around and, you know, make these kind of demands. And the people have spoken and clearly Spotify, as you said, um, speaker is that Spotify is in it to make money. So mm. they're going to go with that whoever is going to make them the most money. And the people have spoken. They're, they'd rather listen to Joe Rogan than Neil, than Neil Young. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how, how many subscribers, uh, how many people follow Neil Young on, on Spotify that actually subscribed to Spotify for Neil Young? 15, maybe, 10, <laughs> right? <laughs> to, compared to Joe Rogan's, what, 15 million? Right, yeah. it's it's just absurd, and the, the the other absurd thing about it is the fact that you know someone like this is trying to you know fake information. Okay, of course it didn't state anything um, of what that fake information was in any way, but it's just a, another one of these elitists trying to shut down discourse, trying to censor a conversation. He's right. trying to get Joe Rogan removed, which plenty of people have done before. That's not for simply yeah. having a dialogue. And and speaking of music, everyone needs to go check out Kid Rock's new tune called We the People. 
and don't play oh, yeah. around children. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a great song. It'll get you going. <laughs> right, right. He does not mince words in that new song. Oh, not at all. <laughs> I haven't heard it. I have to hear it. Oh, you got to go listen to it. It's, <laughs> it's F Joe Biden, but just also F everyone else. And he calls them out by name. So, yeah, oh, yeah. he calls it's, it all it's out. Great. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. I see a lot of winning. I see like a shift happening. I feel like um, there has been, ever heard that hundredth monkey um, analogy of, of basically how you, it just takes that one more person to wake up and then yeah. everyone, it's like a collective consciousness rises. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're at that point. I, do you guys feel that shift happening? Oh, I think there's a definite shift. I, th- I think we're we're giving them a run for their money on all this. I I think I'm sure they've anticipated some of this, um, but I think it's larger than they estimated. Would be my guess. So you know they're not stopping. We're not stopping. Let's keep keep pushing forward. Yeah, and celebrate the wins, guys, because there's a lot of winning this week. So definitely a lot of. Um, bs from which we could we expect but definitely a lot of winning so yeah and just so people know before you close out we've had a lot of requests over the past few months to get on rumble so i got that set up this week we are now also on rumble yeah so please be sure to share this podcast guys thanks for joining us today on dig it with the speaker myself the sharp edge and Corey lynn of Corey's digs we are on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, and now Rumble. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Nice.